Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Oh, well, glory to God. I got something to share with you tonight that I hope it impacts you as much as it does me. And uh, so we're just going to just start out with prayer tonight. And if I get through early enough, we'll have some testimonies at the end. But since I don't know how long this is going to take me, we won't do that now. We'll do it later. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you tonight for the opportunity to be together. Oh, Father, what a blessing it is for us to come together in one place, in one heart, in one accord, Father God, without any hindrances from anybody. Father, we just thank you for that, that privilege. We count it an honor and a blessing to come into your presence tonight. Because we know that in your presence is fullness of joy. We know that in your presence there is revelation that can come forth, that can be a blessing to us, that can aid and assist us in our life, that can cause change to come into our lives. And so tonight, Father, we come before you with reverence, with honor, Father, with anticipation of what you have to say to us. And so tonight, Father, our minds are alert, our ears are open, our hearts are receptive to whatever you have to say to us. Whatever the Holy Spirit brings up, Father, in our hearts about what's being said, Father, we will recognize that of something of great importance and we will take heed to what is heard. We'll take heed, Father, to, to what the Spirit is saying to us. And we will live, leave here with something of great value when the night is over. Father, we know that when we leave here, it's not the end of what you have to say, but just the beginning of what you have to say. And so we thank you. We count it such a blessing to be able to gather together as your family and as this local body of believers, as this family of believers Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to be talking to you tonight about living in his presence. You know, um, we are living in a, in a day, in a, in a time where things are pulling at us from every direction. You know, there are things that are vying for our attention, trying to get our focus, uh, trying to get us pulled into, into, into the matters of this life. But you know what? That's not where God wants us to live because we're just temporary beings down here. This is not our home. This life is not our main concern. Our life is an eternal life hidden with Christ, in Christ with God. And, and he wants us to get to a place where we continually live and abide in his presence. Go with me to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Hallelujah. And we're going to read verses 16 and 25. In verse 16 it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of flesh. Really, just walk in the Spirit is really what I want you to see. And then if you go down to drop, drop down to verse 25, because the in-between verses are telling you what walking in the natural man looks like and what the spirit walking in the spirit man looks like. But in verse 25, it says, If we live in the spirit, 
let us also walk in the Spirit. The amplified version of this says, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. Be responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. That's what we ought to be doing. That should be our goal. You know, we okay, what am I going to do today? I am going to walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be responsive to and controlled by and guided by the Spirit. You know, you, you can paste that up on your mirror in the morning. Today, I am going to walk and live in the Spirit habitually. It's going to be a bigger habit to me than brushing my teeth. It's going to be a bigger habit than having that cup of coffee. It's going to be a bigger habit than, than stopping at McDonald's on the way and getting me a McMuffin. It's going to be a bigger habit than anything else. I am going to walk and live habitually in the Spirit. I will be responsive to, controlled, and guided by the Spirit today. Well, that, that's, a good, that's a good thing to do. You know, but it seems like it's tall order. In Psalm 25, 15, it says, My eyes are ever toward the Lord. And it reminds me so much of Hebrews 12 to looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Wherever put you put your sight, you know, is where you're going. You know, you put your focus on something, that's, that's, where, you're, that's where you're headed. I get up almost every day and I walk four miles. And I've got myself a little path set out. And I tell you what, I, there, there's a bend in the road from my house to the, to the front of the, of the subdivision. But let me tell you what, at the, when I'm coming to the end of that four-mile walk, it is exactly 3.8 miles at which I round the bend and I see home. I know I've only got two-tenths of a mile left to go. And man, do I, am I in, okay, man, I can do it now. And you know, it's because that's where my focus is. If we keep our focus, our eyes on Jesus, you know, every day will be exciting. Every day will be filled with purpose. Every day will be just, you know, ooh, joy. But, you know, you got to keep your eyes on something. you got to keep your eyes focused on something. And the something needs to be Jesus. And it's not always that way. You know, we get up, and I, I, I do the same thing. I get up, my mind will be going with all I've got to do today and the things that need to be accomplished and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And my focus will get on that. And I lose sight of the presence of God on the inside of me because I get filled with all this natural stuff. But we don't have to live like that. Psalm 27, 8 says, Seek ye my face. Now, in the Amplified of it, it says, Seek you my face, inquire for, and require. Do you hear me? Inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. Your, God's presence every day should be more vital to you than the caffeine in that coffee. I'm talking to a lot of coffee drinkers here. I'm not a coffee drinker, so it doesn't matter to me. You know, just give me, I don't think there's much, you know, in, in that glass of water I have every morning, you know, but, but sometimes caffeine, you're, man, you're looking forward to that. I require the caffeine in that cup of coffee. But what we need to require is his presence. That's really, that's our vital need. More so than breakfast, more, more so than anything else, 
more so than any meds you may need to take. What, his presence should be well, what we, our, we just require. We absolutely require it. I have to have it. I can't do without it. I can't go through my day unless I have the presence of God in my life. I require it. Walking in the reality of God's presence means living a a faith-filled, holy, fearless, joy-filled, and loving life. You stay in his presence, and it'll bring all that into your life, every bit of it. It doesn't mean that you're weird. I have heard the saying so many times over the years that so-and-so was so heavenly-minded they were no earthly good. God doesn't want you to be weird about it. It should be natural to you. You know, you use that word natural, you know, and we think of, of, of it, but it, it should just come as an automatic response. You know, everything about the presence of God in our lives should just be an automatic response to him. And, and, we, and it doesn't have to be weird. You know, you don't have to go around telling everybody scriptures, you know, every five seconds. You know, and, well, how are you? I am blessed. I am doing, I am this and I am that. I, you know, we used to, you know, Rama years ago in 1980, confession was just so big. And, and you couldn't, you couldn't ask a Rama student, please don't, please don't say, how are you doing today? Because you're going to get a five-minute sermon. You know, you don't have to be weird. You know, you can be normal to people, but you can exude the presence of God at the same time. You know, that's, that's really not hard to do. Listen, you know, we shouldn't get to a place where we thought, think, oh, oh Lord, I, I want to get nearer to you this year. I want to get nearer to you. It's one of my goals for this year is to get nearer to you. Does a fish ask the water to get nearer to them? No. They're in the water. So you don't need to say, God, I want to get nearer to you. He's already in you. How much nearer do you want? He doesn't ever leave you. He's right there. The fish does not get out of the water and say, water, come to me. Come, 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 come. Please let me be nearer to you. No, the fish just stays in the water. And that's what we need to learn to do. Just stay in his presence. Just like the fish stays in the water and the bird stays in the air. You know, just stay in the presence of God. It should be that that is our natural, everyday environment. And so I take issue with a lot of songs, you know, that... I think Brother Morris uh, put it this way. We were talking about some of this stuff when he was here at lunch. And, and he said, you know, he, get, he gets tired of listening to all these whiny songs. Oh, God, I'm desperate for you. Why? He lives on the inside of you. What are you desperate for? I just want to be more like you. Well, stay in his presence. That's all it takes. You know, there, there's a lot of songs you just need to stop and analyze. Uh, is this helping me or not? And if it's not, you know, I know there's, to, to me personally, I, I feel like there are some Christian songs out there that are more for entertainment value than they are for, for worship value. You know what I mean? Okay, well, they're, they're just kind of just kind of singing sing along. But stop and listen to the words of them. Does it really match up with what the Word of God tells you? Does it really line up with how you would pray? does it, then maybe you should find a new song. Or maybe it's got some great little lyrics, it's got a great little melody, and, you know, it's really catchy or whatever. That's not why you should sing it. You should sing it because it's got life in it. It's got the word in it. It, it brings you to a higher place 
of walking with God. That's what it should do for you. Hallelujah. Uh, First Peter speaks of uh, uh, chapter 1 and verse 17. It speaks of our time here on earth. But in the Message Bible, it says it so nicely. It says, now you understand Message Bible is a paraphrase. It says, your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. That's pretty good. Your life is a journey that you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. Sometimes God is here and we don't recognize it because we're too distracted by too many things. Our minds are somewhere else. Our thoughts have taken us to another place. You know, but if you looked in the Old Testament, Jacob was the one who said over in Genesis 28, he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. What a terrible thing to be in a place where God's presence is dwelling. I mean, you, you, you see it sometimes in, in services where, I mean, the, the, there's a manifested presence of God in the room. And if, you, and if you took the time, which, you know, you shouldn't do because that means you're not in the spirit, uh, to look around at some people, you'd see them people going, or on their phone, which you know they're not looking up a Bible verse. The presence of God was real. The presence of God was manifest, and they knew it not. Well, when we find ourselves in places where we didn't recognize it, what have we missed out on? There's so many things that God wants to do, so many things he wants to say, so many things he wants to reveal, so many things he wants to adjust. And yet when we don't recognize his presence, you know, we're like Jacob. Surely his presence was in this place, and I knew it not. Hopefully that if you ever find yourself in that place, you take that as a teachable moment to not do it again. You know, the next time you pay more attention to what's going on. But even Moses in Exodus, you know, he removed his shoes because he recognized the presence of God. And he understood he was standing on holy ground. You know, there was a song we used to sing. Um, we, we are standing on holy ground. Surely the presence is all around. You know, and, and honestly, there are, there are times, you know, when, when around here, you know, certain times during worship, especially on, uh, it happens more so on, on Sunday nights than it does any other time because we really give ourselves to those kind of times on Sunday night. We're not in a hurry, got no kids to pick up, you know, from Faith Island. They've had their, you know, there's no lunch to have to do anything about. And, and, and so we give ourselves to times when we just, we just want his presence. And there are times when it feels like we're in the holy of holies. And honestly, there are times when I think, maybe we should be like Moses and take off our shoes because we're standing on holy ground. I can feel his presence. And it's not a matter of natural feeling. Sometimes that's there, but it's a sense, a spiritual sense of knowing that God is present, that he is manifesting himself right this moment in an unusual and powerful way. 
and to miss out on anything that he wants to do in that time is a tragedy. It really is. It's not just, oh, well, I'll catch you later. We should never look at it kind of like a, you know, blasé kind of an attitude, but that God himself is present in this place. It's a holy place to recognize. Men of old in the Old Testament saw it to a measure, but because you and I are indwelt with this, with the life of God, with the, the, the Holy Spirit, the greater one who lives on the insides, we, could, we can sense that really almost any time we want. Any time. It's there. Hallelujah. The spirit realm is more real to us, it should be, than this natural one because it's the eternal one. This natural one is a temporary thing. It will be gone before we can turn around good. We will have left this natural life and moved on into the eternal. So we should get familiar with it now. We should get familiar with the presence of God now. You know, Adam and Eve had a grand opportunity to be in the presence of God all the time. And that's where God wants us to live is in his presence. He wants us to live and to abide in that, to be comfortable in that place, to be to rest in that place, to be assured of being in that place. He, he wants us just to uh, just, just be so vitally aware of it on a, on a regular basis, not just once in a while, but on a daily, ongoing, hourly basis. You know, there, uh, there's so much, you know, you can you can say about people who we I don't think any of us really you know understand the power of walking in his presence all the time walking in the spirit you know I'm reminded of a story about Catherine Kuhlman uh, an evangelist who traveled with her uh, had gone to a, a TV studio and uh, they were expecting her shortly and he was going to be on a program with her and so he had, was in there and and I uh, was talking to some of the camera people, some of the technicians and stuff. And, and suddenly there, there was this, this wind just kind of blew through the studio where they were at. And he, he looked and he said, what was that? And I said, oh, she's, she just arrived. Happens all the time. Can you imagine the power of the presence of God, the reality of it in her life that was so powerful that when she walked into the building, a wind blew through? I mean, if that was possible for Catherine Kuhlman, I don't see why it's not possible for any believer to be that caught up in abiding in his presence that other people know it. They know it. They sense it. It's discernible. They may not understand it. Now, another believer should understand it, but... Individual, ordinary people who are not born again probably won't have a clue, but there's something about you. There's something about you when you're in his presence that is discernible, is tangible to other people. And when they know that, when they sense that, guess who they're going to come to when they need something? Guess who they're going to look for? Guess who they're going to expect to have the answer that they need? You. Amen. So how do you walk in the Spirit? Well, I'm gonna, we're going to go through, I think, if I can get through it all, uh, seven. Is it seven? Yeah. 
I think we'll do seven, if I can do all seven. Uh, Seven things. Number one, know that the blood of Jesus gives you access to the presence of God. You have been brought into the presence of God just because of the blood of Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 2.13, you're not very far away. One book over. Ephesians 2.13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus... You who were sometimes were far off. Was anybody far off besides me? You were far off. Are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. John 14, 6, it says, No man comes unto the Father but by me. Hebrews. Go over to Hebrews. And we're going to the 10th chapter. And we're starting in the 19th verse. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Isn't that wonderful to know? That you can enter into the holiest of places, into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. That blood that brought you into his presence can keep you in his presence. Hallelujah. Because over in Hebrews 4, you just take back, back a couple of pages. Hebrews 4 and verse 6. Uh, no, that's not it. That's not the one. Uh, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Listen, God never intended for us to leave the throne. 4.16, there it is. 4.16. He never intended for us to leave the throne. He really wants us to stay there all the time. There's no reason why we have to leave it. But when we do, because we're, we've got flesh and we've got our human frailties, when we have left that throne of grace and gone out and messed up or done something we shouldn't have done, we can come back in there. And, and you don't have to pay a toll to get in. There are no tolls you know, to get back in. You know, there used to be a day where you had to pay a dime or something to, to use a restroom in like the airport or something. God has never required anybody to pay anything. Now, Jesus already paid the price. So you don't have to pay anything. Just come boldly. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has given you access to his presence. So you can come in there boldly, come in there and just say, Father, this is what I need. Thank you for the mercy that I need. Thank you for the grace I need because I need it right now. I mean, he's right there all the time. Hallelujah. You can live there continually, not just once in a while, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, not just when you find time, you know, to to have a few minutes in the mornings with him, you know, but you can live there continually. It's possible. It really is. Number two, just be still sometimes. You know, sometimes we get so carried away and so hurried in life that we don't leave time for God. 
In Psalm 46, 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. If any generation has ever been in a place where it is harried and over-scheduled, it is the generation we live in. And if there's one thing I can say about this pandemic that has been um, a good thing is that we've all had to slow down. You know, we've had to cut out some things. There, we're not running all over three counties doing all this stuff anymore. You know, it, 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 it's, it's been taken out of our, our lives, you know, not by our choice, but because of all this stuff. And honestly, it's probably a really good thing that some of us have had to slow down. Because it says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes you get in such a hurry with your frantic pace of life that God is left like going, hey, hey, wait for me, wait for me, wait for me. Hey, I'm back here. And we just go on because we're in just in such a hurry. And Psalm 23, 2 says, he leads me beside the still waters. He's not interested in, you know, everything just kind of fl- fast-paced life is not what he's after. He wants you just to slow down and spend some quality time with him. Isaiah 40 says, Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Psalm 130 verse 5 in the, in the Amplified says, I wait for the Lord. I expectantly wait. In Psalm 65, 11, it says, Praise waits for thee. But in the Amplified, it says, To you belongs silence, the submissive wonder of reverence. You think about that for a minute. To you belongs silence, the submissive wonder of reverence. We don't have it happen real often, but, you know, it, it did happen not too long ago where, you know, at the end... It, as part of the worship service on a Sunday night again, and thank God for our Sunday nights. I wouldn't give them up for anything. You know. But it was a Sunday night, and, and, and just a holy hush came over the whole room. And we sat, maybe that was a Sunday morning, maybe that's why it just stuck that. I think it was a Sunday morning, actually. And, and, and this place was just silent for, what, 10 minutes? I mean, it was a long time. And we've seen it over the years where it's happened, where it went even longer than that. And we need to be in a place where we're comfortable with that. You know, so many people, they need, they've got so much going on in their lives. I mean, extroverts have to have sound going all the time. When I used to, when Ike and I used to go places and, and do errands and stuff, he had to have that radio on. Because he, that's just him, you know. And as to me, I can, I can, I can drive five hours without a sound. Be okay with me. We need to get comfortable when there's silence. Because honestly, when there is silence, God's not silent. This out here may be silent, but in here, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And so we need to get to a place where we're comfortable in times where the Spirit of God just comes in and there's just a hush. And you know what always is marvelous to me is that you don't hear a sound. 
You don't hear kids fidgeting. You don't hear people moving around. It's just, there is this, this, I don't want to call it heaviness, but there's this weightiness of the spirit that just settles in. And you know what? We need to find our times in our personal lives where we're just in a place where we're waiting on God. We're not here to do business. We're not here to to make requests. We're not here to make good confessions. We're not here to, to do anything. Just wait in his presence. Even if he were to say nothing to your heart during that time, I guarantee you, when that lifts, you will feel a refreshing that you did not have before you went into it. See, there's something. There's a spiritual transaction going on in the silence, in the waiting. And we need to get to a place where we recognize his presence and that in his presence there are times when it's just a time of waiting on him. Just waiting. Coming out of that, you can't imagine sometimes the value of what happened until maybe later. It may take you a few hours, could take you a few days maybe to to go back and suddenly realize that in that time of waiting, this happened. Maybe your body was refreshed. Maybe a healing took place. You know, maybe, maybe an answer just you know, now is there. But it came as a result of a time of just waiting on him. The air does not have to be filled with sound. There's a time and a place for that. But there's also a time where it's just a holy hush and a time of waiting. Oswald Chambers said this. He said, when God sees the blank space, see that you do not fill it. But wait, wait before him. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Okay, number three. Keep a pure heart. Impurity of heart pollutes your heart. You ever saw some clear, nice clear water in a lake? And then maybe a manufacturing company comes along and they dump all this stuff into it and pollutes it. You can tell the difference. Listen. If we don't take care of keeping our hearts clean, that's exactly what happens, is our heart becomes polluted with the things of this world. It becomes polluted with all kinds of things. Cares about other things. It, it could be caused by, you know, not walking in love. It can be caused by just being out of fellowship with someone else. It could be caused by being out of fellowship with him. I mean, you can think of all kinds of things that would cause an impurity of heart because in the Song of Solomon, the second chapter of the Song of Solomon, it says, talks about the little foxes that spoil the vines. And sometimes we don't realize that our hearts aren't as pure as they ought to be because, well, it's just a little thing. Yeah, but that little thing adds up after a while. Little things begin to, to get magnified if you don't deal with them. They grow. You look at them and think, well, it's, 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 a little thing. it's a minor thing. I don't really need to, to deal with that. Yeah, you do. Because little minor things that aren't dealt with grow into big things. 
You know, the, the word talks about a root of bitterness. Well, you know, that thing started with just a little old bitty tendril. And it got rooted, and then it began to grow, and it grew until there was a harvest of bitterness. You can't afford to let those kind of things take place. You've got to keep it in its, in its right place. You know, small, th- small things, like if you have fruit, like, Pastor, you know, we, I go through so many strawberries. You know, I bring home a, a whole container of strawberries that I think look good because right now strawberries look terrible for some reason. I don't know why. But I bring home, you know, this thing that I'm thinking looks good, and he gets into them, and there's one little one in the bottom that's gotten rotted, and now it's infected all these that are around it. You, know, you can't afford to let one little bit of rot come in because it will begin to affect other things in there. You've you got to get rid of it. Nobody sees the things of the heart. So some people, somebody can't, well, you know, when it gets bad enough, everybody sees it. But, but really, when it's a little thing, nobody can see that but you and God. He sees it all. He sees what's in there. And, and he's wanting you to do something about it. He can't. You can. You're the only one who can. Whatever things we permit to gain access into our heart should glorify God. And if it doesn't glorify God, you need to get rid of it. Sooner rather than later. Psalm 4.4 says this, Commune with your own heart upon your bed. You know, we should stop and take stock every so often. Nightly wouldn't be a bad idea. Check, do a heart checkup every night. You know, there are times, you know, people want, need to take their blood pressure all the time to check it, see how it's doing. Maybe you should take a heart pressure, you know, every night and just, and just see what's going on. I remember uh, Pat Harrison was talking about her dad, uh, Brother Hagen, and uh, he said that, she said that once a year he would, he would go before the Lord and he would lay out all of his plans, you know, for the upcoming year and say, now, Lord, you know, tell me if anything I've got here is not pleasing to you. So I can change it. Should there not be times, you know, that we go to the Lord and say, Father, reveal to me anything that's in my heart that I need to deal with so I can change it. I need to change it. I want to change it. So you have to want to change it. You have to want to. I've been mad before, angry about something, and the Lord be talking to me, and I'm just going, basically, I don't want to. You need to forgive. I don't want to. You know, that's the conversation he and I have. And uh, he's not too happy about that. But he will let me persist in, in, in that kind of thing if I want to. But I'm the one who's going to pay. I'm the one that's going to that's cost. He's trying to help me. Matthew 5, 8 says, The blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence. It is something that you just, you can't just do, you know, spring cleaning on. It, it needs to be a lot more often than every spring. And uh, one of my favorite verses because of, of, a, of a teacher that I had when I was in junior high age Sunday school is Psalm 19 verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. When it's acceptable in his sight, it's acceptable. 
I don't have to worry about it being acceptable to anybody else as long as it's acceptable to him. And see, he knows what's in my heart. He knows. He's called me on it many times. You know, and and then you just have to say, yeah, uh, yeah I know, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I need to deal with that. And, and listen, you, you can do good things, but with a bad heart. You can outwardly look like you're doing a whole lot of good. You know, for people, you're doing this for people, you're doing, you're doing this, you're, you're volunteering here, you're serving there. But if you don't have the right heart, then we got a problem. Keep your heart with all diligence. You know, you can be willing or you can be obedient or you can be both. You can be, lots of people are obedient, but they're not willing. They got what I call uh, attitude. That's not going to cut it. Attitude is a heart issue. You know, and, and when, when we raise children, one of the things we ought to be the most diligent about disciplining them is attitude. You know, you should call them on their attitude. I mean, I did with my boys. No, we're not having, we're not having that. And, and you, you sure, I, I'm sure not going to put up with any visible or audible signs of your attitude won't put up with that that's what we're here as parents for is to help them deal with attitude because a lot of times people grow up nobody's ever had nobody's ever dealt with them about their attitude and so when they get grown the fact that they haven't dealt with attitude as they were growing up now they've got attitude in an adult world where the consequences are huge huge you know, it's not, it's not so, it's not nearly as big when it's just, you know, whether you obey mama and daddy, but now you have to obey maybe your sergeant if you're in the military, or you obey your boss on the job, or you obey, you know, I mean, all kinds of things. You, can, you can't afford to have attitude in those places. You need to have learned to curb your attitude when you were much younger, and that's the job of parents. I won't even go any further in there, so we'll just leave that. Present in our flesh is every ingredient for failure. Mm -hmm. Every ingredient necessary to put together a good dose of failure is right there. And, And we have to be mindful of that. Because present in our heart, if we're a believer, is every ingredient to succeed, to be victorious, to be overcomers, and to be like Christ himself. So where are you going to look? Are you going to look to the flesh? Or are you going to look to the spirit? To do, either, to do that, you have, you have to find yourself in God's presence on a regular basis. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, go with me to Ephesians 3.19. I'm trying my best to slow down tonight because Miss Iris tells me I talk way too fast. So I am doing my best to make sure that this is slow and even tonight. Um, Ephesians three nineteen it says, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. But here's the amplified of this, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that is, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Can I read that again? 
that you may be filled through all your being, through all of your being, unto all the fullness of God, that is, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That's a tall order, but it's possible. Listen, Paul prayed this for the church at Ephesus. This is still a valid prayer for the church in High Springs. He knew every believer needed this prayer. That's why it's recorded. It's so that we could take it and we could pray it over ourselves. We can personalize this so that it becomes real to us so that we have the richest measure of his divine presence. You can have a measure of his presence, but are you satisfied with just a simple measure? There's more to be had. Paul's praying that you would find the richest measure. You know, the guys who go out and, 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 and go gold mining, you know, they, it's, it's great when you find a few nuggets out there in the riverbed, but the best thing is to, is to go underground and to find the vein of gold that's running through the mountain. That's the richest measure right there. But some people are, are fine panning for, for, for God's presence, on, you know, in the riverbed. No. Don't be satisfied with some little nugget here and there. Go find the vein. Go find the richest measure of what God's got for you. There's so much in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number four, maintain a teachable heart. Well, what's a teachable heart? One that receives change or correction. Maintain it. Maintain a teachable heart. Sometimes we think we know so much. And if we really get into the word, we find out we know very little. What we think we know sometimes comes out of tradition or what somebody else said. Uh, I, 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 know this, I know this person who, who's, uh, whose relative was, you know, you know, a godly person. And uh, it didn't matter. Their whole philosophy was, well, if so-and-so said it, that's good enough for me. And I'm thinking, well, no, it should be whether the word said it or not. It has nothing to do with what they said. It has to do with what the word says. You know, but when you get like that, you're not teachable anymore. You know, you have to, you have to be teachable so that, listen, the, there's a verse over in 2 Corinthians that says that we're being changed from glory to glory. How do you think change comes? By the word, by, by changing us, by being open to correction, that's how God is able to change us from glory to glory. And for us to, to not be receptive to what he's trying to do in us says that we don't value what he's trying to do in us. That we don't have, we don't have regard for it. Because over in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, it says that all scripture is given for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. Listen, God loves you enough. He wants you to be different. He wants you to change. He wants you to be better than you were. He wants you to live on a higher level than what you're currently living at. And sometimes we have to correct some things in order to do that. Sometimes we have to change some things 
in order to do that. But it comes from a heart of love by the Father. He is, you know, and, and I think Pastor said that on Sunday. I don't know if it was Sunday morning or Sunday night. You know, that, that the pastoral office, the, the office that he walks in as pastor, isn't just when he stands behind the pulpit. And see, he can say something to somebody at some point, you know, when he's not in the pulpit, and they disregard that. Instead of taking the opportunity to, to hear what he has to say and make some tre- change or some correction, they just pass it off as, eh, nah. Listen, God's given gifts. The gifts are in the Word, but the gifts are also standing before you in the flesh. And sometimes people don't want to hear correction. Well, hopefully that correction is based in the Word. There's a basis for it in the Word. And if that's the case, then you have a choice to make whether you will receive it or whether you will not receive it. Are you going to demonstrate a teachable heart or not? The people that I see grow from year to year are the people you can tell have teachable hearts. The people who are the same, you know, no, no matter what age, they're not teachable. It's not they couldn't grow. There, there are people who stay in the spiritual nursery their entire lives because they won't change, they won't take correction, they won't grow. See, God wants you to grow up. He wants, he wants mature believers. And the only way you can mature is to grow. And you can't grow just by drinking that bottle all the time. You have to get off the bottle and start getting some real food. And real food is going to, cha- take, is going to change you. But you have to be willing to take the real food in. Take the correction. You know, so what you don't like broccoli? Broccoli's good for you. It will change you. It will help you. So so what if you don't like certain scriptures on certain subjects? It will help you. It will change you. It will correct some things. It will cause you to grow. You can't decide which scriptures you like and which ones you don't. All scripture has been given by God. All scripture. Not just the ones that feel good. Not just the ones that tell you all the good things you can have. There are, there are, there are things that go with those good things. You know? And you have, you, have, you, have to, you have to take them. You have to use them. You have to be open to them. If you won't be open, you won't grow. You won't have the fellowship that you could have with God. You won't sense his presence the way you could sense his presence. And you won't live in the, in the spirit to the, to the degree that you need to live in the spirit. If you're not teachable. Revelations 3.20, it talks about, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, and it, well, the fact is, let's just read it because I didn't write the whole thing down. Revelation 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Listen, 
God sometimes is standing at the door of our hearts knocking with some scripture that we don't necessarily, you know, want to hear. But if you'll open the door and be teachable and let him come in, it will make all the difference. Only the person who is teachable will ever find the reality of that verse over that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're not teachable, you won't ever taste it. If you're not teachable, you won't say, in spite of the way it seems to taste to me, I know it's good for me. I, tr- I tried a recipe of zucchini yesterday. I don't like zucchini. I don't like squash. But I tried it and I thought, well, you know, it's not, it's not bad. It's not particularly good. It's not bad, but, you know, I know it's good for me, so I guess I'm just going to have to learn to like it. There are, some, there are some places in the scriptures where you need to go and you need to learn to like them. Just learn to like them. Amen. Okay, number five, obey the word. Ah, I want to go back to the song over there they sing in primary. O-B-E-Y, obey your mom and dad. This is O-B-E-Y, obey what the word says. Just obey. You, you hear it, now do it. You can't choose to ignore it. You can't choose to, uh, to disobey the word and expect rich fellowship with the Father. You can't. John 14, 21 says, He that has my commandments and keeps them, and keeps them. You can't see God, you can't hear God with any kind of clarity when you are in disobedience to the word. You know, there are people who, I mean, are... It, I mean, they obviously will not hear God on a particular, particular area, and yet they need, they, need, they need guidance in another area, and they can't get it. Well, why not? Because you already got some place over here that you know better in, and you won't do. God has no obligation to talk to you about something over here that you want when he's already told you something that he wants. If he's told you to do this and you're not doing it, he's under no obligation to give you direction in another place until you do this. Because it might be that this is what the key is to that. Many times that's the problem. You won't do this, but you want me to help you over here. Well, the the help that you need over here is over here. So people won't won't do that. Um, Proverbs 13, 13 says, Whoever despises the word shall be destroyed. Mm. To disobey is to despise. It's a dishonor to God himself. You know, in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So if there's something in the word that you, 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 you know, mm, I'm not doing that. You are despising God himself. So how can you have faith for one area and dishonor God in another? It doesn't work. 1 John 3.24 in the Amplified says, All who keep his commandments, who obey his orders and follow his plan, live and continue to live, to stay and abide in him and he in them. They let Christ be a home to them, and they are the home of Christ. So obey the word. If you want rich fellowship, if you want to stay in the presence of God, obey the word. 
Number six, meditate in the word. And I'm going to have to hurry with these last two. Meditate in the word. You will never have the richness of the word revealed to you if you don't spend time in it. If you don't spend time there, you'll never know how rich and full any, any verse of scripture is. Because you don't just get it with one reading. You don't get it with just, with just reading it over two or three times. You know, it, it's, it takes time. You spend time in the Word. You meditate on the Word. If you, if, you won't, if you don't meditate in it, you won't ever speak it with the revelation that you should speak it from. And it's only pa- the power of the Word that you speak comes from the fact that you have revelation of what that Word means. Matthew 12, 24 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If it's not in your heart, it doesn't matter how much you say it. If it's not real, if you don't have a revelation of it. You know, Mark four nineteen talks to me, it's the parable of the sower, and pastor's been teaching on this lately. And it's, you know, things like the cares of this world, the deceitfulness, the riches, the lust of other things. Our minds get so consumed with those kind of things that we meditate on them instead of meditating in the Word. You know, but Romans says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And meditating will do two things. It will renew your mind and it will establish your heart in those areas. Uh, you know, because Isaiah 55 says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Well, how are you going to know what God's thoughts and his ways are if you don't meditate in his word? So let's move on to the last one. Verse 7, I mean, number 7 is keep an attitude of prayer. And remember, it's not a one-sided conversation. When prayer is done right, there are times when you talk and there are times when God talks. You ever had a friend who just... You can never get a word in edgewise. Some of us are like that with God. Let him talk here so often. (laughs) He's got lots to say. And when you'll slow down and let him talk to you, you'll find he has a great deal to say, and maybe you'll find yourself on the receiving end of some wonderful things. But he, he wants to tell you some things. Let him. Let him have a conversation with him. Somebody said that, that prayer is just conversation with God. Remember, it's a two-sided one. Amen? Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on this. Now, Brother Hagin always said, you know, that he stayed in an attitude of prayer all the time. It's not that he prayed continually. He was, he was in an attitude of prayer continually. And ample, uh, Colossians 3, 2, in the Amplified, it said, Set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not the things that are on earth. To leave what's below, you must, you must come to a place where you rise above all of that stuff. And the only way you're going to rise above it is to renew your mind is to, in prayer. And, and listen to this. Don't get so familiar with the things of God. And, and, and I don't know really how to explain this. It's like people take God for granted that we get so familiar with God that, that we lose a reverence for him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Familiarity breeds contempt, is what someone once said. 
And I don't know that that's necessarily true. I can't really, I can't really attach that to what I'm trying to tell you. But I'm just telling you, familiarity can cause you to lose. I don't really know how to say that. Um, on one hand, you need to see the things of God as common to your spiritual life as something that's, that's just a natural outflow of your spiritual life. But you shouldn't take it so much for granted that you forget how awesome God is, how great God is. There should always be a place where we have a reverence for God and for the things of God. Do you, do you have any idea? Am I, am I, I don't know if I'm making any sense right there or not. I, 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 know, I know what I'm, I'm trying to get across to you, but I, I don't know if I can get the concept you know, to you. There are times when we shouldn't just take it for granted. Oh, well, God's there, and he's just going to do this, and he's going to do this, do that. No, just, just stay in that place where you're in his presence, and, and yes, he's Abba Father. He's Daddy. You know, I can go to him at any time, any place, for anything, and he'll always be there, but I should never take for granted the awesomeness of the one who created me and the Savior who died for me. I shouldn't be just eh, blasé about it. I should always maintain that. You know, and, and keeping an attitude of prayer will help you do that, to maintain a reverence for this. Uh, again, Oswald Chambers, who wrote it, but my utmost for his highest, he said this, if we never have the experience of taking our commonplace religious shoes off, our commonplace religious feet, and getting rid of all the undue familiarity with which we approach God, it is questionable whether we, whether we have ever really stood in his presence. There should, there should be a, an ongoing sense of, I'm in a holy place. I'm in a holy place with a holy God who's called me into divine fellowship with him. And it's not ordinary. It's not common. It should be as natural to me as breathing, but it's not ordinary. And it's nowhere near ordinary. God wants us to be continually aware of his presence and quick to restore it if we've lost it. We need to learn to recognize quickly when we're flustered and frustrated and angry and dismayed and, and in care about things and quickly get back into a place where we are conscious of his presence. Your ability to walk and stay in his presence will be discernible to others. It'll keep you in a place where you're able to minister to anyone at any time in any situation. And as we keep ourselves grounded firmly in his presence and stay conscious of his presence, whatever situation that comes up in our day, we are well able and not, not concerned about being able to handle it. Being conscious of his presence continually will change how we look and approach every circumstance. You know, we, we, just like the song we sang tonight, why should I worry? There won't be a place for worry. There won't be a place for anxiety. There won't be a place for frustration. 
There won't be a place for all those natural responses. But when we stay in his presence, we will automatically respond to the heart of the Father God who's given us richly all things to enjoy. You know, he wants us to find that richness that's in him. What was that? Let's go back and read that one more time before I let you go. In Ephesians. Um, Ephesians. Sometimes I have a problem with my own. Ah, there we go. That you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God. That is, you may have the richest measure of the divine presence. So I want you to go panning for gold? No. I want you to go digging. I want you to find the richest measure of what God's got available to you. And I I guarantee you, it far surpasses the level that you're at right now of being in his presence. There's more. You will never find the completeness of of that presence until you meet him face to face. But I tell you what, there's a whole lot more out there for us than what we are currently walking in. You know, and it should be the desire of everyone's heart to find that place where we're being changed, we're moving from glory to glory, we're constantly aware of his presence, that we stay in it, that we pull ourselves back into it when we're tempted to be out of it, and that we enjoy that place, that rich place that God has for us in him. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.